All right, James. Okay, so I kind of bridged the gap between both of you all. If you say Howard the Duck, I'm gonna (laughs) virtually punch you in the face. Welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about the impact of comics and pop culture on life and society from deep in the heart of Texas. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined by uh, my good friends Sean in Indiana. Hello. And James in Kentucky. Howdy. So here's the deal. We've been teasing for a while that we wanted to talk about religion and comic books uh, ever since we started this podcast. Uh, And we have finally decided on... Uh, a good place to start, I think. So tonight we are going to kick off what might be a single podcast on religion and comics, or might be the the first in what some historians will later call the definitive podcast on religion and comics. <laughs> and how it just miserably failed, basically. <laughs> yeah. So like somebody in their dissertation, like their like their PhD, like is going to quote this podcast at some point. I think I would I would assume. The pathetic lives of the people who lived in 21st century. Right. <laughs> These guys recorded this podcast, and then a week later they died from, of dysentery because they tried the Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> and unbeknownst to, unbeknownst to the masses, the Popeye's chicken sandwich wiped out half of the population of the United States of America. <laughs> Have you guys tried the Popeye's chicken sandwich? Is the hysteria like there like as, as much as it is here? Or is, it, is that like a locally... Thing. We have a Popeyes over in uh, Owensboro that opened up about a year ago, but I've never been there, so I wouldn't know. So we have, I guess it's fairly common around here, uh, but apparently they came out with a chicken sandwich or the chicken sandwich started getting uh, some traction on social media and there's been this huge uproar and they ran out of chicken sandwiches not too long ago and they announced over the weekend that the chicken sandwich was back. And so people have been like lining up around the building to try to get their hands on a chicken sandwich. And it's, it's, there've been, there've been fights. There've been, uh, it's, it's been, it's been crazy. It's the world have we live in. Have not heard of Chick-fil-A? I was about to say, uh, tying into our podcast on religion and comics, the Lord's chicken, as it's referred to here in <laughs> Texas, is still pretty popular. They just can't get it on Sunday. Right. Um, so we decided on a question that would give us a place to start this conversation on religion and comics. Uh, we've kind of flushed out a lot of topics in discussions off the air, uh, but we want to start with this. And so I'm going to ask the question. I'll let uh, Sean and James go. James apparently has some surprises in store for us, but here, mm-hmm. here it is. Uh, what is your favorite character or comic or storyline in which religion plays a key or large role? And so you got to explain it to us. And tell us about how it connects with you. So, Sean, I think you're up. Okay. So, for me, give you a little bit of background on me. So, I grew up in a Catholic household. Uh, went through Catholic schools, K-12, through and then went to Catholic undergrad as well, too, or Catholic college. And growing up, I was, like, really into Catholic. Like, I wasn't, like, a 
conservative Catholic by any means, but um, I was that guy that would play guitar and sing at mass on Sundays and would go to youth group and do all the youth camps and stuff like that. And, and even my major in undergrad was Catholic studies. Um, spoiler alert, I am no longer Catholic. <laughs> but you but you kept all the plaid skirts? <laughs> <laughs> all of them, yes. Uh, you know, we did the routine to uh, Britney Spears, hit me baby one more time. I'll, just down the hallway, not even like choreographed for an event or something like that. That's just how we walk down between passing periods, right? I can only imagine how it looks like for a seven foot tall... Uh, hairless Chewbacca walking down the hallway. I know. When, <laughs> in, in see, when Britney skirt. Spears does it, everyone stops and watches. When I do it, everyone runs for their lives <laughs> and calls nine one one. Right? Yeah. People are like, "Where does someone that tall get knee high socks from?" Right. How in many reality, sheep did they have to shear those, to make those socks? Those are just full size, like ladies' stockings that are supposed to go all the way up to your hip. Right. They just go up to Sean's calf. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, yeah, so anyway, so not Catholic anymore. I, I am, I'm not practicing any religion at all. But growing up, that was a big piece of my identity and who I was. So the Marvel character that... I really enjoyed growing up because of that is Daredevil because Matt Murdock was a Catholic and that was a big part of his identity and you saw his struggle as trying to be a vigilante while at the same time making sure that he's true to his faith and he's doing the right things and you saw the relationship that he had with his priests and the confessions that he had because he's either you know done terrible things or he knew that he was going to do terrible things and so it was, it was really interesting just to think about it from a perspective of someone who you know follows a religion where by and large you know the christian religion is at least supposed to be you know pacifist or peace and things like that and non-violent and here he was seeing all this violence happening around him and the only course of action he can think of to stop it and to help people is by engaging in this violence right but it's just you know this whole conflict between his faith and doing what he thinks is right um, so it was just really interesting to read the comics growing up and kind of see those conflicts and what's really interesting is one of my favorite series from Daredevil is Frank Miller's uh, Born Again and it's not necessarily focused explicitly on religion, but there's a lot of themes to it, both in terms of the storyline, but also from the art as well, too. So if you watch the art, which, by the way, it's interesting, it's called Born Again when Matt Murdock's a Catholic, because Born Again is not really an idea that Catholics have. Catholics don't believe in being like a born again Christian or anything like that. It's more of a once you're baptized, you're um, at infancy, you're Christian, you just you know keep improving as a Christian, for lack of a better term. So it's kind of interesting that it was called Born Again. Anyway, so what's interesting is as you're reading through the story, you kind of see these really interesting parallels between the story of Matt Murdock and just um, the stories that you read about in the Bible and everything. So like uh, basically to kind of give you synopsis is he's having this conflict with Kingpin and Kingpin finds out who he is and pretty much destroys his life. And uh, Matt Murdock just pretty much hits rock bottom and everything. And so you kind of see him struggle through that. And so it's kind of parallels through, you know, Job or um, I, I read somewhere that it parallels with Jesus's own walk through uh, the passion and like the Garden of Gethsemane and things like that. Okay. 
And so, um, so it's just kind of really interesting that the storyline is explicit about the religion, but, or the religious peace aspect, but there's a lot of overtones and parallels with that, which, I mean, you see in a lot of comics and movies and stories in general, like the matrix, right? There's a lot of parallels in, in that movie mm-hmm. with it, um, where it's not explicit, but you know, if you recognize the symbols and, and things like that, then you kind of, you see those parallels and everything. So, um, but yeah, for me, for Daredevil, it was just really interesting because, I think he's one of the few characters where he is a devout Catholic, but struggled trying to justify what he was doing with what his faith calls him to do, especially with his conversations with the priests and stuff like that. And I don't think any other comic book character that I've ever read um, shows that um, same level of struggle with trying to balance those two things. So. Yeah, I really like Kevin Smith's uh, one-year run on on Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, he really touches on a lot of that the religious uh, influence, uh, and he pulls that from his own experience too, right. because he also was raised uh, very Catholic in in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Listen, you were explaining it, and I had never really like I've I love Daredevil, I love that character, and the way that you described it as as the internal conflict that he has trying to. Um, I miss there's a vocabulary word in my thing that I'm trying to find um trying to like justify bring those two justify like bring those two worlds together mm-hmm. and be at be at peace with who he is as a person and his religion and his actions like it works like that dynamic it's always been in play but they they've never really I guess explored that outside uh, like his other everyday actions right Right. It's interesting that you bring that up, though, because that's something that, you know, you see a lot of times in media or comics or just in in reality in in life today. Right. Is how people have conflicts with certain dogma or practices Mm -hmm. and things like that. But then when it comes to certain things, it's like, eh, there's an episode. I don't know if you guys ever watch uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'm not. I haven't really watched it. Me neither. Okay. Yeah, I, I only watched like half a season, but there was an episode where like the couple of the characters that grew up in a Catholic household and they went to Catholic schools and stuff like that. And they were just having this whole conversation about how they couldn't use birth control growing up because they were Catholic, but they were encouraging this woman to have an abortion and like going back and forth. And, and the the sister is just like, wait, you're Catholic. You can't do this because you're Catholic, but this is totally okay. And I, I feel like that's, I mean, that's what it is um, in today's world as we're looking at, you know, the traditions of religion and things like that. That's just some of the things that we kind of grapple with is is how do you make sense of all this? And that's always the question with religion is kind of taking a look at, you know, where's my place in the world and understanding, you know, what's right and what's wrong and, and things like that. All right, James, you're up. Who are you going to surprise us with? Okay. Are you sure that you don't want to go first before... Out of this, because we might go down the rabbit hole. We might not be able to get ourselves. James out like's of. really excited about this. Like I, I want him to go last. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's it's totally up to you. I don't care which. Okay, I'll go next because I can I can build off of what I can build off of what Sean has said. Uh, the character that speaks to me most is is actually Hellboy, and in a very similar sense, he um he's got this duplicity because he's half demon. Mm-hmm. And he's got, there's prophecies that says he's meant to bring about the end of times, but he was adopted and raised as a Catholic 
and now he he works for the the good guys. And so there is this internal conflict about fighting who he is versus like doing what's right. And the the thing that stood out to me is, and I think it's the same thing that what you mentioned and Sean about Daredevil is that the the Bible is filled with stories of broken and imperfect people that God uses in a way mm-hmm. that's very unexpected. Um, Moses was a hillbilly wandering in the desert when, when God chose him to lead the Israelites out of, uh, out of Egypt. And so, you know, there's stories are full of that Jonah, uh, very similar, you know, what wasn't the guy that you'd think that he would be chosen for the task he was chosen for, uh, Saul mm-hmm. before he became Paul was a persecutor of, of Christians. And Hellboy has just always been a reminder to, uh, to me that God, no, no matter where you're at in your life or your struggle or what you're into, God can find a way to use you. And I, I was raised in a Baptist church here in Texas. I'm still active in a Baptist church uh, after having stepped away for several years for uh, personal reasons, but it's always been part of me. Um, I don't like to say that I'm religious. I try to say more along the lines that I'm, mm-hmm. that I'm faithful rather than religious, because I think a lot of the dogma or the traditions that we attach to our, our faith are kind of stupid. But when you, I, and I try to tell my son this, my daughter who's younger, but my son who's 10, that when like the the true meaning of Christianity for me is that when people look at you, they can see Christ's impact in you. Like they can see um, Christ through you. And that for Hellboy, that's really, really hard because he looks like Satan. Right. But still he carries himself as a believer, as a Christian, as a was raised Catholic. The interesting thing about um, the way that religion plays into the, all of the Hellbook storylines is that although he is presented as a demon. He is uh, a practicing Catholic. They don't necessarily treat God and the devil as like characters. Right. He works for the side of good versus evil, but it's very, very gray area in all the stories, uh, you know, because he's he works for the BPRD and he's fighting paranormal forces uh, and there's a lot of the occult in it, but at the same time, there's not a whole lot of mention of Christ or Satan outside, you know, the fact that he carries the rosary with mm-hmm. him at all times. So it, it, to me, it's a very, uh, just a very, very interesting character. Um, as I was recounting to somebody at church uh, yesterday, because I was explaining that we were going to record this, that like trying to convince my mom to let me take my younger brothers to see the first Hellboy movie when it came out. She was like, no, that's an abomination. There's no way my kids are going to see that. You should be ashamed of yourself. And I was like, it's a really hard sell. Like, mom, he's a, he's a good guy. He, he's a demon, but he right. believes in, in, in Jesus. And, <laughs> and so it, it took a while. And then my 10-year-old loves Hellboy. And I think for the, many of the same reasons, he sees an imperfect but redeemed character in that. But for the longest time, he wasn't allowed to call him Hellboy. Because both my mother and my mother-in-law are very conservative religious women, and so he, for the longest time, just called him Red. Oh, that's the good. way yeah. that uh, Li- the way that Liz calls him Red mm-hmm. uh, in the movie, and they they refer to him and Abe Sapien as Red and Blue. Right. So yeah, yeah. I like Hellboy. Yeah. I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> Take that, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never read much of Hellboy at all, apart from maybe, you know, a free comic book day. Mm-hmm. But so for those of us that's not read much of 
that but would want to where would we start with that i will say if the the very first film the first like 20 minutes of the film the hellboy origin story are of uh almost like perfectly aligned with like the the intro story and i'd have to go back and get what the collection is called the way that mike uh, Magnola wrote Hellboy. There are the ongoing titles were all stories that were chunked together. So if you can find um, a Hellboy trade, pretty much any one of them is is a good place to start. Now there are some details about his life that if you go back to the beginning and start with that, uh, you get a little bit more insight to it. But like the way that the movie portrays like him being pulled through a portal by uh, Rasputin. Like all of that is that's a fairly faithful adaptation of of his origin story. Cool. Um, interesting enough, Hellboy is from is actually conceived in the 1600s, and his father, that's a demon, like kind of like freezes him on ice until Rasputin tries to pull him through, and uh, so he's got a backstory. Like his his mother as a human woman, a lot of that backstory is is played out in some of the comics as well. So it's very very interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, the uh, the two animated films. I didn't know they did animated. Oh. Yeah, so like Ron Perlman voiced Hellboy in two uh, animated films. Can't for the I can't off the top of my head remember what they're called, but you can Google search those, look those up. Those are I'll also take a wild guess and say Hellboy. Uh, yeah, well they're Hellboy, and then like there's there's something <laughs> like a subtitle. Yeah, to something it. to it, but they're they're right. both like. Kind of like the the DC animated film. It's like an hour and ten minutes long, um, right? Yeah, and they're yeah, yeah. pretty straightforward, uh, like Hellboy stories. And so, if you've only ever seen the movie, those are a good place to bridge the gap. Cool. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I haven't seen the new one because I just heard so much negative uh, about it when it came out in April that I haven't watched it yet. Simply because I don't want like to have a negative view of a character that I love. So, right, right. Well, and, and when you're explaining Hellboy's background there, Kevin, it, it's interesting because you can even take the religion part out of it and focus on it's also a story of nature versus nurture. Right. So he's, you know, born a demon, but he's trying to do all these good things. And so it's always that, again, internal conflict of this is how you've been like identified and already have what's the word I'm looking for? You already have these labels placed on you because in the religious terms, you're predestined, right? Exactly. Um, so you're predestined. You have these labels, but you're desperately trying to. You, you know that's not who you are, and you're trying to show and prove that to everybody. And I'm assuming I I haven't read the Hellboy comics, mm-hmm. um, but I'm assuming that he's not just trying to prove that to other people, but also prove that to himself because I'm sure right. there's that theme of like self-doubt of am i always doomed to be you know some sort of evil person because i'm a demon he has to file his horns down and and that kind of serves as a as a constant reminder but it's interesting you bring that up like that sentence you talked about nature versus nurture was something that i wrote down in my notes oh yeah and 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 hadn't and hadn't brought up because you know we talked about we talked about like family um, finding your family in the last episode. And, and Hellboy is a great example of that because the BPRD became his family. Mm-hmm. And the, what's his name? Uh, his, his, the guy that adopted it, Professor Trevor Brutenholm. Right, yeah. Uh, that raised him is one of those, is one of those kind of like Alfred 
Professor X fatherly figures that um, that there are a lot of examples of in comics. So mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a lot about Hellboy that 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 speaks to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also like the I think the juxtaposition between who he is as a demon versus who he wants to be as a righteous person uh, really, really is what stuck with me the most. Really cool. Yeah. All right, James. Okay. So I kind of bridged the gap between both of you all. If you say Howard the Duck, I'm going <laughs> to virtually <laughs> no. punch you in the face. <laughs> well, see, I was raised Baptist. Now I'm technically Catholic, but, you know, a lot going on in the news as of late um, mm-hmm. with priests that you know aren't exactly model citizens by Mm -hmm. any means again and just you know there's a lot of questions i've always kind of had so when i was thinking about this podcast like you know do i go thor do i bring up some of batman storyline or what but i ultimately decided we need to go with jesus christ himself I'm like, this is where we need to go. Uh, you just threw the religious so, bomb on us, right? Uh, so <laughs> got you both beat, uh, <laughs> Jesus. So, so now you got to remember that this is radio or this is podcast, so you have to explain yes, what you just held up to the yes. camera. <laughs> so, so uh, I want to talk for a little bit about uh, Second Coming. Uh, by Mark Russell and Richard Pace. It's currently being published by Ahoy Comics. Uh, for those of you who get the previews, uh, you might remember uh, several months ago, uh, Vertigo had actually uh, had this comic, and there's a lot of people that didn't like that Jesus was in it and that it had that title of Second Coming. And so DC just kind of dropped everything and gave the rights back to Mark Russell to be able uh, to do it. But the really interesting thing about this story is basically you take God, who's kind of a jerk, and he thinks his son, Jesus, is just way too weak. And that, you know, it was uh, Jesus' fault that he was crucified and everything. And so uh, he goes back to heaven for 2,000 years. And God just still thinks he's just this very weak individual. and sends him back to earth to be trained by Overman, which is their kind of take on Superman. Basically to get him to toughen up. And it's really interesting how Mark Russell kind of goes through everything with this because uh, it's really a way to kind of question Jesus' teachings from the New Testament anyway. Uh, You know, because there's a lot of things that Jesus kind of talks about in, you know, the four Gospels that he's in that it almost feels like Paul, who wrote the rest of the New Testament, kind of got wrong. You know, there's people that kind of feel that way. I, You know, I kind of have felt like, you know, Paul's saying this, but Jesus didn't really mention anything about that. And it's kind of neat, like in the book, that Jesus like, I never knew who Paul was. I told Peter to go spread my word. <laughs> Not some jerk named Paul. I don't even know a Paul. <laughs> so, uh, but it's like Jesus comes back and he sees... Uh, hate groups like the, you know, Dazis and stuff actually taking words from, the you know, Paul and other 
bits of the Bible and stuff and saying, oh, I believe in Jesus, you know, and, and all that. But he's like, I am Jesus. And I never talked about any of that stuff. So it's like, uh, so I really think that uh, Mark Russell and Richard Pace both has done a really good job uh, so far. Uh, they've had four issues of this run so far, and it's just been a really neat story about how they're kind of, uh, dissecting kind of their own beliefs, you know, and the story's kind of connected with everything. And, uh, it's, it's just really been an, uh, an interesting read and kind of connected with me because it's questions about stuff that, you know, uh, like come up a lot for me. And it's like, you know, did Jesus really teach about that? You know, is this part of what my religion is? Is this what I actually believe? You know, the Pope says I'm supposed to, or my priest says I'm supposed to, or this pastor says I'm supposed to, but do I really do that or not? So this one's just been good for me. I I think you, I think you bring up an interesting point about, um, that, that I think touches on, what both the the, the thoughts that, that uh, Sean and I shared is that um, it, it, it's introspective, right? It makes you think about your own personal experience, okay? And I think that's one of the things that we that we need to remember as um, as I guess people who are are reading mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is that, that we're reading. And I definitely think that the the new this applies to the New Testament or or the old, old Testament or works that. Um, that take example, Matt Murdoch and whatnot, Mm -hmm. those situations that you're reading, a lot of that internal conflict probably comes directly from the writer himself. Exactly. Um, Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not necessarily it's for, for this example, it's not necessarily Jesus that is, is faced with these questions, but the writer is, and he's choosing to, um, explore that through, uh, the narrative of, of Jesus. It reminds me of like when I taught, um, when I taught social studies, the, okay. So everybody knows what you guys have all seen, probably a picture of Christopher Columbus, correct? Yeah. Yeah. You probably, if you, if I said picture Christopher Columbus in your head, you're probably all thinking of the exact same painting, mm-hmm. um, a famous picture of Christopher Columbus. And in reality that Christopher Columbus wasn't famous enough in his lifetime to have a picture painted of himself. But about 50 years after he died, there was a painter who was like, oh, I knew Christopher Columbus. I could I could paint that that painting. And truth be told, that painting is probably a self-portrait of the artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wh- who we remember as Christopher Columbus in that picture is, is probably not is probably not that at all. And I'm thinking that applies to the way that we find ourselves in characters in comics. But a lot of that is the author, like finding who the author is. And how the struggles that the author has um, in the writing. I, I didn't. Did we not ask Sean? Didn't you ask Philip C.V. A, a similar question about like how much of his personal story he put into into triage? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I asked him about like his what influenced him to write some of this stuff because um, it was just kind of interesting how he developed these characters. And I mean, he revealed that the main character's occupation and some of the stories that he wrote out was um, actual experiences from his wife. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're right, Kevin, that's exactly what 
uh, you know, a lot of these stories are is, you know, sometimes it's just a, it's the expression of the writer who's channeling it through the main character. And this one just happens to be Jesus. Although it's, it's really interesting. This is something I taught. I used to be a religion high school teacher, right? So again, very funny. Grew up like very staunch Catholic and really into it. And now I'm just like, no, I don't bother with it at all. Right. <laughs> but, um, it's still in my blood and everything like that. And so it still has an impact on me, but when well, I, and, and according to, and according to your beliefs, like you're okay. Right. Cause you were, you were sprinkled at, at, <laughs> at birth. Well, it, it goes deeper than that, but my belief, I, I understand that I'm giving you a hard time, but it, I can't like it's not my look, belief anymore, <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is is it, that's part of that's part of the like that's part of the the backstory though right like mm-hmm. uh, for for you right yeah no that's exactly right and it's um, I mean it it shapes who we are mm-hmm. um, for sure and and the questioning and all that just always is part of that process and and this one just sounds like that's an expression of this particular author. And it's really interesting. I like that. And what I really like what you're explaining in this story, James, is this focuses on the human side of Jesus. And this is something I told my students all the time when I taught them is we always get focused on the, the divinity of Jesus, but we never really talk much about the humanity side of Jesus because at least, you know, for Catholics, but this is, you know, true of Christians as well too, is that they believe that Jesus is, fully man and fully God. And I always ask my students, like, what does that mean to be fully human and fully God? And that gets them to start thinking. And I'm like, think about what makes you human. And those are the things that Jesus experienced. Right. And so there's a controversial movie um, by Martin Scorsese. I've never ever seen it, but uh, called the last temptation of Christ. Yeah. It's on my bucket list of things to watch. Yeah. And what's interesting is we watch this in my theology class in uh, undergrad and some of the conservative Catholics that watch it was like just so all up in arms because they're like, Jesus wouldn't have experienced that. And he was in the theology teacher who was very smart, by the way. He was like, well, we don't know, though, because, again, if we're talking about Christ was tempted in the garden, that doesn't mean that, you know, he said no from the beginning to be tempted means that you had a moment where you thought about it at least and maybe pursued it and things like that. And, and that's just a conversation we don't have. And so mm-hmm. I find it funny in this one where the guy, where Jesus is like, who is this Paul guy and what is he doing? <laughs> right. Talking about what I said when I never met this guy. Right. Like, but again, we never really focus on that part yeah. of it. So and and to be honest with you, from from what I've read in the Bible, um, in in all of the Gospels, there's not a whole lot of detail uh, mm-hmm. between of, of like Jesus's young life. The story right. kind of picks up right before he um, he starts dropping miracles and whatnot. So right. there's no there's no backstory. And um, I, I'll pull a parallel to a very notorious film, the the Zack Snyder Superman movie, uh, Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. One of with all of that film's flaws, I think one of the things that did better than any Superman story before was it established his humanity. Mm-hmm. It he, yeah. he, it established Clark as a person, although not from Earth, but uh, of Earth, and and established the reason why he'd be willing to fight and die for the people around him. Right, and 
not to criticize the word of God, but they kind of left that part out uh, in the backstory of the of the hero. Right. So, yeah. um, I, I guys, I think there's only one way to solve this, and that is to hire Zack Snyder to do a Jesus movie. a Jesus origin story. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> And then that's when then that's when the second coming will come, right? Right. No, no, I I'll let's just put the kibosh on this right now. <laughs> so no Zack Snyder Jesus origin story. Right. Uh if that starts Maybe, if uh, that starts trending on Twitter after we release this podcast, <laughs> you heard it here first. Okay? That's right. Maybe uh Mark Russell could sell the rights of that and get Zack Snyder to uh do the second coming <laughs> first, but sprinkle his own kind of origin back there because you have to have the build up to it look kevin's kevin's um twisted sense of humor is about to show um could you imagine a film about jesus by Zack snyder where he's standing on the bow of a boat talking to to peter and saying this is judea and then like kicks kicks him in the chest (laughs) off the boat a la, a la, a la three hundred, like the like the character in three hundred, King Leonidas. Oh, that'd be awesome! Like with his Jesus with his Jerusalem cruiser sandals on, like kicking him off the boat. Yeah. Have faith, that'd my awesome. have faith, my son. Right. Uh, yep. So listen, I think we've given a lot of uh, time to uh, to one particular religion in comics. Because that's who that that's that's played a huge part of uh, who we are. I think this is a great place to uh, to stop and and say that uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, they didn't talk about any other religion. Uh, don't worry, uh, we, we promised we promised that this would be a, a multi-parter. It's coming, yeah. uh, and and that's definitely something that we want to explore uh, in a future episode, but man, this was, this was good stuff, guys. There's, there's a, it's amazing that three people from different parts of the the country can grow up and have a similar experience and then find some common ground, not only, uh, in their religious history, but also in, in the comics that, that, that draws, uh, to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Well, yeah. And I'll, I'll echo what you said. Kevin, like this episode is primarily just talking to, is focusing on how we've connected with the comics and that tie to religion. Um, and so obviously it's going to be that personal tie, but in future episodes, cause we're definitely going to have more episodes about comics and religion. I know I'm going to bring up, uh, Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel and her identity as a Muslim girl. I think it's just really fantastic as well. So we'll definitely going to explore more in the future episodes. We've got a lot more coming down the pike with this. We really do. All right. right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of The Caption Life. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to and follow us on social media at Caption Life. If you have anything to share with us, please reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, and we look forward to sharing another episode with you guys soon. Talk to you later. Peace out. Good night.